Distinguished adventurers, welcome to our sort of introduction play mini campaign of Kids on Brooms. This is part of the inter-campaign deal that we're doing for our normal Distinguished Adventurers campaign. Campaign two is coming. We are getting ready for that. But in the meantime, we are delving into some games that we have never tried before. And I get to play! <laughs> and and Lauren, uh, our wonderful DM in the main campaigns, is an actual bona fide player. So as I said, this is this game is Kids on Brooms. This campaign is called Metal and Magic. And we're going to get into the particulars of uh, this little mini campaign uh, that people may find familiar with themes and what happens and such. Uh, it might be a mashup. There's a game that I love called Smash Up where you ba basically take two decks of cards that are themed. One is vampires and one is like football stars and you smash them together and you make a deck and you go out and you take locations uh, Marvel Snap style. I want to play that. Can we play that? Uh, we can play it at a con, yeah. If so, if they got it, we're gonna have to have our own convention at this point to get ourselves together. We're doing that cabin in the woods thing that we've been talking about for forever. Yes, yes. Let's There's do really it. good woods up in the Pacific Northwest. Do you want to exactly. do it for oh, Passover? Shit. We can. A giant have... thing of lightning. Was that thunder? Yes. Oh shit! Everybody, play <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> yeah. okay. We we gotta go. We gotta go because I might lose power here. Okay. Okay. So, uh, we are going to introduce all of our players. Then I will set the scene, and then we will introduce your characters. So, everyone, go ahead and give me uh, who you are, your pronouns, and your character and their pronouns. We will start with someone we haven't heard from much uh, so far. Jack, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jack Hedithel. I go by he him. I'll be playing as Grisham Vianad, who also uses he, him pronouns. All right. Next up, we have Jules. Hey, Jules. Hey. My bad. I'm doing a French knot. One moment. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to everybody out there who needs to be occupied at all points and times in order to concentrate. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Jules. My pronouns are she, her, and I am playing Evelyn and Arthur, uh, the lady of three first names, whose pronouns are also she, her. All right. Next up is John. Hey, I'm John. Uh, pronouns are he, him. And uh, for this campaign, I'll be playing Fredo Branzini, the kid who knows how to get things, who also uses he, him pronouns. And finally... The not-so-forever DM, Lauren. Hi. Hi! I'm sorry, all of you at home missed the Italian hand <laughs> motions. You can't do the accent without doing the hand! There is a it's, visual it's component amazing. to this show that we're... You know what? Like, see, look, the hands are in and I can't do the accent. As soon as the hand comes out, the accent comes out. <laughs> you know what? One of these days, that we will be invited to a live show, and instead of doing D&D, we will bring these folks back to play a Kids on Brooms game that maybe rips off some other properties that we're But we'll not in a, a way bit. that would get us sued. Yeah. No, or... a parody, parody, parody. We'll play all parody the signs all over it's the It's in the public domain. But Lauren, I'm sorry. No, it's great. I love it because like everybody's got their thing to get into their character, right? And I just love that that John is right there with the, the hand motion. Oh, hi, I'm Lauren Urban, she, her. I'm going to be playing tonight Maureen Eddings, also she, her. And I don't have any hand motions yet. All right. Yet. We will now begin 
That was so formal. We will now begin. I know. I'm I know. Suddenly oh, the, the Please stand. The tonal shift is gonna is gonna give everyone <laughs> whiplash. I hope your chiropractors and physical therapists are up to snuff. Paradigm shift. And I don't remember if I've read this before. We'll do it again. And if can't have to do it again, it, we can cut it out. It's fine. The world has ended. Mostly. In the year 2040, the human race is under siege. An evil AI called Stormnet has destroyed much of humanity, hunting down survivors with robotic troopers called Annihilators. With no way to defeat these waves of metal monsters, all seemed lost. However, there was another world. A world of magic. A world hidden from the eyes of normal people, known as Pentas. The world is filled with the arcane and the mystic and normal people don't see it. It's a world of the unseen and sorceress. This world is of magic. The people of this world, wizards, sorcerers, druids, warlocks, and witches, have all come out of hiding to aid the last of humankind. The fight against these steel soldiers has not been easy, and though Arcanes are powerful, so too are the steel soldiers of Stormnet. The losses have been great, so great, that even the students of the great schools of magic are now being called upon to take up the fight. You all are students of one such school. In the Americas, the Roanoke Academy of the Arcane. You guys have been in this fight for a few years. Some of you may have even uh, were supposed to graduate by now. But there's no world for you to go to after this. This is all there is right now. Until Stormnet is defeated and humanity can thrive once again. As you have taken classes, you have also been asked to go on missions. Your group has been on several of these missions. You're on one right now. Oh, are we in media res? In media res. We d- yes. Are we going to, do we know how we all ended up picked we'll get to do there. this? We'll is get it there. alphabetical? <laughs> the scene is one of fog and forests. A familiar-looking highway stretches across the landscape. I-40. Uh, not that We're so Roanoke maybe. Academy. Is it 17? Sorry, I'm sorry. I was just on I-40 a couple weeks ago. This is a shout-out to everybody from the North Carolina coast. Sure, it's I-40. Uh, <laughs> but it's not the I- It's a ruined I-40. Broken. You can see what once was a bridge totally out. Vines growing up above the, um, the posters telling you to repent... 20 feet behind the posters uh, advertising the Southern XX exposure. Sure. <laughs> you guys are actually behind one of those billboards, looking out from the forest on a hill, looking down upon this highway. And you can see some of the remnants of what once was I-40 culture. Below you is the ruins of a Wawa. Oh, dang. Wawa, Wawa grew big. Ooh. They did. You chose violence and, and today. Al- almost to the end. As you looked, as all of you looked down. <laughs> Further down the way, there's a Waffle House and it's closed. That's how bad things are. <laughs> no. Oh my God. <laughs> as, as you all look from your blind and survey the group of metal machines that are scouring and inspecting this Wawa, they can't see you thanks to some specific magic that was bestowed upon you all to not keep you super invisible, but, and you are a good half a mile away 
easy visibility to this to the scene below you. Uh, the fog obscures you, and thankfully, because of these very minor magics that all of you have been bestowed, the annihilator that is that is escorting these three quadrupedal they would almost be cow-sized machines with giant tanks on their back. The Annihilator, normally from this range, could hear your heartbeat. But thanks to the magic bestowed on you, it'll see you just as soon as you see it. Its, it's senses have been dulled to your presence, thanks to your training and the gifts that have been bestowed upon you. So, even though normally it would be able to see, and see you and start firing upon you, it has not chosen to do so yet, or it, it cannot see you as yet. But you look among your group, this group that you have ran missions with before, as we take in each, each member of your group, uh, and we'll start, with, we'll start in the reverse order. We'll do a reverse snake uh, draft style. Lauren, as you all are ducking behind this ruined sign of the apocalypse, a literal sign of the apocalypse, describe uh, the character that, that everyone sees. Maureen is doing her best to, <laughs> and maybe actually still kind of doing it, not flip the bird to this creature because she knows that it can't see them yet. And so she's she's just like, but I want to, but I want to. She's tall and lanky and her long blonde hair is like braided down the back just to keep it out of her way. And she is just impishly happy to be here even though everything is dire and awful and everything. And she's she's just balled up her fists in excitement. And every once in a while, that middle finger starts to raise. And she's like, but I, but I know. But I know he can't, he can't see us. I know he can't. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just. And then she pulls herself back. And the words of uh, the headmaster of the Roanoke uh, Academy echo in your head. Now, Maureen. Your mission is just to patrol, just like every, every other time. You are to engage only if necessary. Take care of you and your teammates. Because I want to see you back here. And I'll see you in a few days. And you remember that you've, the charge that was given to your group was just patrol the nearby area. Look for any signs of uh, survivors or metal activity as you are observing now and uh, report engage only if necessary as the shift goes to another of your group john why don't you introduce your character fredo branzini he's a you know 15 year old boy thin uh slick back hair like always like glistening uh into like a quaff uh he's got next to him a solid black broom with a red pinstripe on it that says vroom broom 5000 and then in between his legs weaves a uh, Bengal cat. Meow, meow. And then he picks up the cat and then just gently strokes it like, as if he were uh. sitting in a giant leather chair behind a desk. <laughs> oh, that's a good familiar. Yeah, you, you, you're a good boy. All right. And as the, uh, the cat is, uh, what, what's the cat's name? Gizmo. Gizmo. Oh. On brand with this theme of this non-meta thing that we're doing. Well, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but <laughs> Gizmo's a great name. The scene shifts as, uh, as Fredo strokes Gizmo. And we see another member of this troop, Jules. Why don't you go ahead and introduce your character? So Evelyn is on the ridge, uh, sort of laying on her stomach, looking through some 
like very very old binoculars it looks like she has robbed an army surplus store today (laughs) and she probably did if they're off of i-40 and they're anywhere near Fayetteville (laughs) this stuff is readily available um no matter the today her hair her hair is a very 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 deep kind of mahogany brown and she is doing her best uh despite the hair color to channel Hot Lips Houlihan. Uh, so she's dressed like she's uh, in a, uh, you know, like she's a m- member of a mobile army <laughs> uh, a field hospital, you know, whatever the S stands for. Uh, hosp- surgical. Surgical hospital, thank you. And, you know, the, the classic like white t-shirt and, and you know, green fatigues, no camo, because they never ever put the mash characters in, sorry. She has decided she is going to dress for the occasion of being on patrol. Um, and she has a helmet jauntily perched on her head. Uh, this is a performance piece as much as it's anything else. But as she's looking through the binoculars to get a better view, because the binoculars are not, t- they're, they're a analog technology um she absentmindedly reaches up and uh scratches gizmo behind the ears uh leaving his fur slightly purple everywhere she touches uh as her own little her own little uh gizmo needs to be dressed for the occasion uh point of view gizmo somehow knows that the the parts you've touched have turned purple so he kind of like he like paws at it and tries to turn it back and uh, and just kind of like, and, and gives in to your scritches, just to, you know, looks aside. He's slightly smarter than your average cat, but also scritches. She looks up at Freda, she goes, cobalt blue is not cadmium yellow. And she goes back to looking <laughs> in her binoculars. All right. And finally, uh, we get to the last member of the party. Uh, Jack, go ahead and describe your character. So Grisham Vyanad is... Uh looking around, uh, checking the motions of the other uh, robots as they go, trying to track any patterns in their movement, taking another surrounding area, scribbling into his notebook. But he's learned to take sort of more Spartan notes, and he's not taking, like, writing anything down furiously because he knows it's a waste of time. He's trying to just get it down to the most important bits. He's about uh, five foot nine, a little bit heavy set, but also kind of muscular. He's wearing a green flannel jacket, black jeans, combat boots, because grisham's grisham and uh, he as as he's writing there's a little prairie dog on his shoulder who's uh, begging for a treat grisham wordlessly reaches with his other hand into his uh, his backpack and grabs some trail mix for him to eat the prairie dog's name is school kill because of course it is school kill school kill, like the river all right that's something for you philly natives maureen has been like idly playing with some energy in her hand trying to prevent herself from flipping this these machines of the bird and so she lets it go and she comes on over and says, um, uh, can I give him scratches? Grisham, can I oh, give Grisham. him scratches? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And I'm going to, I'm going to scratch. And it's <laughs> obvious that uh, Maureen is doing this just as much to distract herself as it is to give scratches to the animal. School kill is, is just, he, he is loving this. His little, his little butt is kind of like, like wiggling and stuff and, uh, you have this moment of lev- levity in this horrible, ruined hellscape. And uh, I will say that uh, uh, Evelyn, uh, with her binoculars, her analog binoculars, which I'm very happy you mentioned that you had, you are looking upon this scene, and it seems like this annihilator and is 
basically just muscle for these for these group of quadrupedal robots. Think the Boston Dynamics robots, except bigger, cow-sized. What is the Boston Dynamics robot? Uh, they're like little robot dogs, but this one is bigger. But they said they had, like, tanks on them. Should I picture, like, oil drum kind of? They do seem to be sticking an apparatus and moving some of the pumps around at this station, trying to get to what is likely fuel underneath. Evelyn is going to pass the binoculars. She's going to trade the binoculars with Fredo for the cat, and she's going to say, You move a lot of illicit goods. Yeah, what do you need? Assess the situation, what's in there. Fuel? Gasoline? Well, uh, Fredo's, uh, uh, Fredo's going to take a look. Um, yeah, let me see. Uh, with, uh, what, 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 let's see what we got over here. And you see much of the same. Uh, you see that they do look like they are, instead of just drilling straight down through the concrete, they're actually trying to move the pumps out, the ones that, uh, that are still intact, and trying to get a snaking arm down into, into the bottom. It does seem like that they are scavenging for fuel as this annihilator is sort of looking around. And you see this thing. Uh, it is a metallic skeleton uh, with glowing purple eyes and a hulking it looks sort of like a big metal pipe that it's holding uh you don't think it's a pipe and you've seen this thing this is some sort of energy weapon that the annihilators use uh when they're out in the field it's far too heavy for a normal penta to lift and and most arcanists who encounter these things have to lift it with magic uh most of them aren't strong enough to lift it although you you know some pretty strong folks, and they might they you've seen people in a moment of of terror and adrenaline, which is still a thing even even for uh, magicians. Pick one of these things up and use it, but it is extremely hard to do so. And Fredo, you see, you notice that the annihilator is just sort of peering around. It's clearly on some sort of overwatch. When all of a sudden, its view shifts. And it looks like it looks towards not you, but down the road to another wooded area that's a good distance away. You hear it uh, make this high-pitched clicking noise as the other robots sort of perk up and they start moving a little bit faster. As the Annihilator starts moving a direction, we'll call it west. Oh, actually, no, we'll call it east. So you guys are kind of facing north towards this ruined station. And off to the east, you see this annihilator start. Its whole body sort of like jolts into position as it starts moving that direction. Uh, Fredo, you see this happening. Uh, go ahead and give me a brains roll. All right. So that'll be a D6 for me. All right. Oh, Ooh, a six. A six. It, the dice explodes, so you get to roll again. Uh, and then that's, uh, I get to, I have magic plus one from that. I think because of my wand, I have a phoenix core. Okay. Two. with the, okay. And then, so plus one uh, would be a three. So a seven and a three. All right. I had it in my mind. You said mind brains, the, right? Yeah, I said brains. And I did have that the DC was 10, so it, was, it would have been easy to miss this. So good job. You see a rustling to the east. You focus in with, with the binoculars very intently. And you see it looks like a small human family uh, stumbling out of the woods, and they've gotten the attention of this annihilator. So the way we resolve situations like this, where there is danger, 
is thanks to uh, Fredo and Evelyn's binoculars, you guys have seen this coming so you can take planned actions. What that means is you're going to tell me how you want to resolve the situation, uh, what your goal is, and how you were going to accomplish that goal with what stat. So you tell me what you're going to do and how you would like to do it. And I will tell you that if this is, you've been in similar fights, you've fought Annihilators, there's four of you, so it's not like this is truly dire, but it is a dangerous situation. This is part of the magic of the game. There's no, it's not really a crunchy roll system. It's not a country roll. Oh, God, I want sushi now. Uh, but oh, thanks you, a lot. You, now I do. <laughs> and that's not what I ordered either. Damn. Yeah, I know. So you guys will go in, um, we'll once again go snake back around. Why don't we chat and decide what we want to do together as a group? This is one of the benefits of, of the situation you find yourself in. You don't, if it was a snap situation, if you hadn't seen the family before it was too late, then you wouldn't get a chance to plan. But since you have seen it, you do have a, a moment to plan. Okay, because my initial thought, I don't know about you guys, and honestly, we don't have to talk about this in character if we don't want. My initial thought is that ahead of that family coming out of the woods, it would make sense to know that they are filling up with a very flammable, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. explosive yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we have enough time before the things with big guns leave, we should attempt to to explode the gas station. Here's what Fredo was going to say before DM GM told us about the family. So it looks like they're filling up with a fuel. And if we cut off their fuel supply with a kaboom, then it'll slow them down a lot. Oh, hey, look, they're distracted. We should go now and blow that shit up. Evelyn says it might also kill them. We should the... kill, kill them. Yeah, the robots. And then, and she looks over Maureen and she says, and then you can stop fidgeting. I like all these things. I like everything about all of this. So now or later? I mean, right now they're distracted by some pentas, so now's the perfect time. We should probably kill them before they get too far away from the blast radius. Right. Yeah, we should go now. And when he says that, like, we should go now, he, like, lifts open his, like, vest that he's wearing and you see... In, like, a leather, wa- like, holster, he's got a wand. And he, like, pulls it out. He's like, it's go time. Go time. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because, of course, so... Fredo has a wand holster <laughs> under his so shirt. So, are vest. we thinking that, how far physically are we away from these? You're probably about, you're probably about, ah, shoot. Let's you are see. far enough to be using binoculars to get a better We're across the You're about highway. half a mile away. You're on a raised position. You're on the exit. We're on an exit ramp, aren't we? Sure. We're looking towards the Wawa. Yeah, and you're you're you are on a high enough hill behind, you know, the literal side of the apocalypse. And so you you guys have a blind. Like if you had been out in the open, even with your protection magics, the annihilator probably would have seen you. But you're hidden, you're you're at an hidden. elevated position. But as the crow flies and in a in a, in a direct line, you're probably about half a mile away. But you do have brooms, and you do have magic. And we'll just say, as long as you're not doing, like, meteor swarm, just for the sake of uh, of quantifying it, we'll say any uh, yeah second-level spell or lower, maybe even third, depending on what it is, that's probably something you have at your disposal. 
you're just talking in generalities. Of, yes. Um, like, so we have a D and D basis for what we're doing. There's not actual spells in this game. Right. Yeah. Okay. You, you won't be able to to wish something, but if you like summoned a, a, a little firebolt, or you made yourself fly without your broom. I mean, you have your broom, so you can effectively fly and cast spells anyway. So yeah, basically, what what I'm looking for you guys to do is try to determine what you you you're, you want to do in in the execution of this plan, every every one of you. If there is a magic component, let me know, and then I will uh, let you know, based on your description, what to roll. How many of the gas cattle are there? There are three. There's three. I feel like we should make them three. They should all explode, and also the pump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's four of us. Yeah. Do we want to send someone after the the people in danger? Try to no, that's warn not them a problem. That's a later problem. I mean, as in like we, later, Tater. I mean, if we blow these things up real fast, then exactly, they even have then they'll to be, be warned, fine because right? they'll they'll be coming back. That they'll, they'll be fine. Worst case, we got brooms. Brooms are fast, right? What's the furthest thing from us? Is it the pump station or one of the gas cows? It's now the annihilator that's moving away from you guys towards right, the. But- the uh, for the fuel people, is it the are they all or the pump or a gas cow? They're the gas cows are at the pump. Effectively right? in the same all, spot. Okay. Okay. Like like imagine a gas station parking lot. It's not okay, that they're big. all just right there. Okay. Right. Got it. So the one that's like ten feet further, I'll take. <laughs> okay. I will. Who wants to light the pump on fire? That sounded yeah. like a volunteer. Yeah. I, I I was thinking I'd go after the Annihilator, but if I can't go after the Annihilator, and I want to blow up a... I mean, that's a building, right? I'm blowing up a building. Yeah. It's sanctioned blowing up in this case. I'm excited. I can 100% promise you that I've sanctioned it. Why don't you get the Annihilator to turn around and come towards the building, and then you'll blow the building? I can do that. I can do that. You hear the voice of the professor in your head, Maureen, as as he. As I love he, how you've decided that I'm the person who's supposed to be leading this when Maureen is like the the not really you the hear responsible in one. the voice of your head, Evelyn. Uh, me, my <laughs> actually, all of you hear this because you all were in the same room. There you go. There you go. Now, in in the past, collateral damage would have been very something to avoid, but there's very little out there. If you need to blow something up, feel free. Don't make it a habit, though. No, no, no. You're, you're fine, Professor. <laughs> As you say to no one, <laughs> to your memory of, of this conversation you had with Professor Fossil Snap. Yep. <laughs> okay. When it blows up, we should be not close. Well, that's why I got the Vroom Vroom 5000. It's the fastest broom on the market. Can't beat it. Is it the Vroom Vroom, or is it more like a... Is it spelled with a V or a W? Is it's the, the Vroom Broom 5000. See, the red pinstripe makes it go faster. Did it fall off the back of a truck? Not so much as fell off the back of the truck, more as I took it off the back of the truck. And that truck, you know, we'll find out if it's real or not. Uh, that will be fine. Oh, mine's definitely real, and I can be sneaky. And if we want to get this annihilator getting close to the, the fuel cows. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's right. do it. Hop it on the vroom broom. All right.
The distinguished adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on January 16th at 8pm Pacific. So open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. R-U-F-F-A-L-A-P-M-E-N-D So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. I specifically took the weasel's whisk because it said it was sneaky. And I don't know what gain the unassuming strength means, but I figure since Maureen is... is one of the strengths. Let me get it. Let me get it for you here. Yeah, because I've been going for sneaky, then blow up, sneaky, then blow up. So she's going to... You are doing the the rogue combo correctly. Yeah, the rogue wizard combo. You don't see me until you're blown up. <laughs> and then maybe even after you're blown up, you don't see me. Okay. Unassuming means you can spend two adversity tokens to not be seen within reason uh, at my description. So character sheet says we have three to start. Then you start with three. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't know how. No, no. You guys have seen enough adversity. You probably start with three tokens anyway. Wow. That that got surprisingly dark. Okay. 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 Listen, it's hard being as great as I am. I didn't say how the world ended, but there are assumptions that can be made. Yeah. I would say an apocalypse is worth at least three adversity tokens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sneaking around and I'm going to go after the annihilator to try to draw it back towards the cash cows. And then we're going to blow up everything. That's kind of the plan. Marine's plan is to sneak and get the Annihilator's attention. Fredo is going to go fast and blow up. I think that's what we're all trying to do, right? Okay. So I want everyone to give me a, since everyone's going fast, let's get some flight checks. All right. What is a flight check? Yeah. So when you, uh, your different stats uh, have dice assigned to them. Oh, no. Hey, I exploded again. You exploded again. Uh, so that's a nine with my plus one bonus. Keep that value and then roll again, adding to that value, and you can keep going. There's no limit to how many times your dice can explode. Nice. Okay. And then I exploded, so I roll again. So another three. That'll be 12 total for okay. Fredo. Okay. I rolled a six, and I get plus one because of my core, so that's a seven. All right, so we have a 12 for Fredo. We have a seven for Marine. Let's see, how did uh, uh, Grisham do? I rolled a two. (laughs) Maybe I should have picked a higher die than a D6 for a game called Kids with Brooms. You you D D twelve is uh, by far the most swingy die. Yeah, the swingiest. And is it too late to actually do like a magic boost to Marine's efforts to distract the um? What's the name of the enforcer? The enabler? What, the what na- we call annihilator? The annihilator. <laughs> enforcer, the enabler, the annihilator. Uh, Jack, uh, uh, think about <laughs> what we're ripping off here. <laughs> uh, right. I know, but dun, we're dun, trying. Dun, dun, we're dun. trying. Yes, yes, yes. All right. 
does wait till after this thing happens with the rooms thing, or can I kind of like boost her with magic somehow? I will let you use one or two of your uh, adversity tokens to help her out. Oh, all right. Let's see. Um, yeah, I'll use adversity token. Like, uh, is there something specific I have to say, outline that I'm doing, or you just uh, that you're using one to help her out? Yeah, I'm using one to help her out. Okay, well, that's fine. All right, uh, Lauren, do you want to use any? Nah, I'm awesome. Okay, so that brought you to eight? Yeah. Okay. I'm sticking with it. I'm going with it. I mean, if, if I got Grisham behind me, that's all I need. As your group mounts your brooms and flies out to this area, you see that Evelyn and Fredo are, they're pulling ahead. They're pulling more ahead. They're going to get there first. And you guys are not terribly behind but you guys you guys are going to get there a little bit late to do what you're going to do so uh whatever spell you're going to use to try and accomplish your goal it might be a little bit harder because of your distance fredo wants to go ahead and blow something up you're using a fire spell yeah something big and explodey something big and explodey something with like blue flames you know blue flames all right yeah like a blue flame fireball because it burns hotter at least some bald man told me that once so Big, un, we'll call it unnatural, and uh, instantaneous. How, how often have you done a fire spell like this? That is confidential information. Uh, to the public, I have never done it, especially to the cops who are asking me. But to the metagamer, DM, GM person, pretty often. Pretty often. Okay. There's a lot of buildings that just spontaneously uh, can't protect themselves and all of a sudden burn down. Like this gas station. Go ahead and give me give me a brawn fight or grit check uh, as you cast this fiery spell. All right, I'm going to go with fight. Okay. As that is my d12. Uh, and then I have a plus one to that. Uh, so that'll be a six. Okay. Well, you... We, we called it unnatural because explosions happen. Mm-hmm. They, they happen. Uh, we'll call the area of effect big, as you so aptly described. It's instantaneous, and you've cast the spell ma- many times, you would say? Many times. Many times. You rolled a six. All right. So your explosion goes off, and it seems like you were moving so quickly that your aim was just a little bit off, and it catches one of the uh, one of the drones off balance, and it kind of teeters over a little bit, but as it has not ignited. Evelyn, you also have managed to be very quick with your broom, so I will let you. How are you going to affect this situation? Evelyn's going to do sort of. A makeshift Molotov cocktail. She's okay. cast a fire spell before, but she probably not as many times as Fredo. But you've cast it before. Okay. But she's cast it before, and she also carries around art supplies wherever she goes and has a small amount of paint thinner of turpentine with her. The reason she's cast the fire spell not as many times as Fredo is because she's... Constantly covered in the t- most art supplies are highly flammable. So she's got like if you think, like anybody who's ever spent time like in art classes, like yes, everything I've worked with could burn the building down. Yep. And so she's going to use the readily available art supplies she keeps on her person um, because she noticed that Fredo missed. But what she thinks needs to happen is there needs to be a little bit of accelerant 
That um, so she's probably gonna probably a good good notion. All right, I she's will. She's gonna you... try to douse the the thing so that even if her spell doesn't hit exactly, it's gonna catch the thing on fire. I would say, go ahead and give me. I'll let you choose between brains, fight, and since you're making this decision pretty quickly, flight. All right. Well, brains is my highest score there, so it's a d12. That's a nine. Yeah. Out of 12. You are also trying to do something. You know, it says natural and unnatural. This is a little bit in between. You weren't trying to do as big of an effect, and it's a spell you've cast a few times before. You readily succeed at throwing your Molotov cocktail, and it starts to land right in between the cow that uh, got tipped over. It's actually tipping toward the gas pumps and one of the ones that one of the drones that's taking gas up. So, uh, yeah, it functions as as you expected. So go ahead and describe to me the conflagration that you are you are setting off here. Evelyn has this assumption that Fredo is sort of like this magical Mary Poppins-esque chest of things. And so she didn't bring a lighter or anything because magic. But she's sitting there thinking, this is Fredo, cigarettes, I assume. Also, yes. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got some Lucy's for you. I don't know if now's the best time to be smoking, though. Now is the perfect time, Fredo. The visual effect matters. And so she gets Fredo to light a cigarette and throw it on top of on top of the growing pie. And Fredo grabs it and then flicks it. <laughs> As this has happened, uh, Maureen is is angling around and Grisham, how you see that two of the drones and the gas pumps are starting to go up. One of the drones looks like it's it kind of doesn't know what to do. Uh, and then you still have an annihilator going after walking away, although it has stopped in its tracks uh, and is starting to tor- turn towards all of you. Marina said she wanted to deal with the annihilator. What does Grisham want to do in this moment? Hmm. Well, I got to assume that uh, these things are already, the rest of them are still kind of doused in a little bit of that flammable liquid, right? The rest, or whatever's left. Yes, and whatever is now starting to spill out of Great. the one that has tipped over. Well, I assume with the cap off. Oh, yeah. So I think what Grisham's going to try to do is use magic to pull the remaining robots aside from the Annihilator directly into the gas main so that they, the, resulting, the resulting collision hopefully makes them, in scientific parlance, explode. Okay. But we want to make sure we do this so that the explosion happens when the uh, the actual like thing that can kill us, right? We're timing this so that Maureen is bringing the distracted annihilator back around to get exploded. Right, right. Okay. Yep. I mean, I could also try and like, I know she's already going after the annihilator. I could try to bring it a little closer at least so that when Maureen is ready, like it'd be easier to do. Okay. Like, I might use magic to pull it back into range, I guess. Let's see. Let's call this... Uh, since you're trying to rest with the fabric of reality, I'm going to say give me a brains, fight, or grit roll. Oh. I'm going to do grit. Grit's my highest stat. Okay. As you that. dig deep for this, for the ability to, to reach across the weave and bend the rules of physics to your will. Heart of the cards. 19. Oh! oh all well right. Done. Yeah, so you were trying to pull stuff towards the fire? Yeah, describe that happening. All right, so the Annihilator is you know, following the family, proceeding to the family, then starts to turn around towards us, 
And then and then Grisham just kind of waves like toodle with one hand and uses the other wind and just like, pulls him over. He, he knows he doesn't have physically to move to do it, but it's a rare showing of dramatic effect. So the Eradicator just flings backwards like like Johnny Five is still alive from the short circuit movies, just backwards on his. I mean, it's, I assume it's levitating or whatever. I that's my head. That's what sure. they're doing, right? No, so uh, it's, annihilators are skeletons, so they're just kind of they're. I don't want to say what they are, really. Okay, got but it, you've got seen it. mechanical skeletons. skeletons with giant guns. Okay, okay. And the giant, giant guns. Were they just... bought at Home Depot originally? We, Twelve feet tall. The, things are things are hazy from from the, <laughs> the, the, from the early parts of the twenty first century. So you can't you can't know if the original, you know. Uh, inspiration for these things came from Home Depot. I mean, there's metal there, and there's 12-foot skeletons. Who's to say? It's all very public domain. It, it sounds so public domain-y to me. It does. Very Absolutely. public domain Spooky, scary skeletons are definitely public domain. Oh, yeah. All right. So, of the, uh, the Annihilator and the remaining drone are pulled towards the conflagration. Marine, you have your broom. You do sort of the Akira uh, slide as you yes. as you come in. Go ahead and describe to me how you how you want to fit, try and finish this off. Has the annihilator been pulled it's completely been pulled, into the? So in the parlance of other video games, it's it has been pulled into an area. Jack casts the like an area effect like like pull spell to where everything beam. comes toward a. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Grisham has cast that to where it's it's a you know it's a mob control. It's 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 crowd control. So the aforementioned Akira slide happens because she was attempting to sneak around behind it so that when Grisham pulled it, she's then basically floating with it and the rest of the stuff in a line. And originally she was going to help with the push, but Grisham don't need no help. He's got this. So the push magic suddenly turns into that lightning again that she'd been playing around with before. And she's going to try to send some electricity just straight through this annihilator into whatever conflagration is going on. Because, you know, lightning also sets off explosions. I would say lightning is pretty natural. Yeah. I would say yeah, you're yeah. probably doing a big area of effect. And you were fiddling with this. So it's definitely stuff you had at least cast before. In oh, this yes. Instantaneous effect. Yeah. Go ahead and give me either brains, fight or grit. I'll give you the same three. Not a fight? No, brains, fight, or grit. Oh, fight. Okay, okay. I, I thought you said flight. I'm like, but oh, I want to fight. I, you already oh. made your flight roll, so, or not made it uh, quite, oh. <laughs> so. Okay, so, oh, jeez. All right, that's only a nine. How many adversity tokens do I got to give up in order to get uh, better? Each one adds plus one. I will say, hang on. Because I'll, I'll spend all three to make this happen. Your spell succeeds. Go ahead and describe to me. It's not as impressive as Grisham's, but it has definitely gotten the job done. To describe the uh, uh, how this this particular encounter ends. So the lightning goes coursing through the annihilator, and it doesn't seem to do a lot of damage to the annihilator, but its pinpoint accuracy goes through it and manages to find the lit cigarette that had been flicked thanks to Alfredo and Evelyn, and. It was kind of starting to explode, and that extra little oomph is just enough to get the very satisfying fireball that we've all been e expecting. And Maureen, as she knows it's going to happen, turns around, gets off of her broom, and starts to walk away. Because you always walk away from explosions. 
as you are walking away th from the explosion, everyone just roll for me a d20. We're going to do a rollsy here for a cinematic moment. Okay. Ooh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh the dichotomy of roll <laughs> wow i love that i rolled a natural one because i've turned away oh. I'm, I'm making my own cinematic moment in right. my own head and no one else sees it so Maureen, as as she walks away from one of the flanks <laughs> you know you know the explosion happening behind her we'll say that uh go ahead and give me uh evelyn's cinematic moment you rolled pretty high Oh, I got I mean, I didn't roll as high as... No, they got something else coming. Okay. I like to think that Evelyn's cinematic moment is just ruining Maureen's. <laughs> um, not in an intentional way, but like Evelyn sees Maureen and she takes the pack of smokes and beans are with it. And it, it Maureen's like trying to walk away very cool and Evelyn is attempting minorly and not an olive branch because she believes that all of the past has been taken care of because Maureen did something she didn't like and Evelyn we are even so in Evelyn's mind she's being friendly and she beans Maureen in the face with a pack of cigarettes and she goes secondhand smoke kills <laughs> and during Maureen's walk in slow motion you see the pack of cigarettes approaching and then boom I get one step, and if I could just get the second step, I'd look cool. But that's when it bings me in the head. I'm and like, there's Ow! a lighter that lands at your feet, and Evelyn's just trying to like not have to walk you through it, and she's like, like shaking her head. For for our two natural twenties here, you guys, Fredo, just having uh cast his fire spell, not as effectively, but Grisham effectively crowd controlling these ads, more more par video game parlance, I can't help it. Uh, as you guys are watching this conflagration occur between both of you, since this was going to go over someone's shoulder, whoever rolled highest, but since you both run equally, it's basically opposite shoulders going in between you as if it was uh, kicking a field goal. You see the annihilator's head come right over your shoulder, land in the uh, parking lot, and look at you as its purple eyes spark and go out. Nice. And if I may, DM, I pull out my wand and I shape the flames that are exploding around us to be a giant middle finger. <laughs> nice. You have done so. That's what I was trying to do before. <laughs> As you guys presumably start heading toward the survivors, all of you hear a message in your head. You recognize as the headmaster of the Roanoke uh, Academy of the Arcane, Professor Julian Fusselstap. Well, I see this mission has gone very much like all the others. Please return home with haste. I'm afraid I have something more grave for you to handle. Professor, you knew what you were getting into when you hired us. Explosions! And that's where we're going to end it for now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for this first session of Kids on Brooms. I did not know how this would work out, but uh, now that I, ha now that I have an idea... Well, I didn't know how this would work out. You've known us for how long, and you said, I'm going to put the enemies next to a gas station. <laughs> What end now, did you assume we would come to? I assumed that, uh, that my story here would not hold up or be funny because it's schlock. It's all schlock. But I you guys loved it. definitely carried the day, both in the story and today. I loved it. In my head, I know what, like, in my head, I can see 
where we are on I-40. And, like, I know, like, where the trees look like. I know how, like, all the exit ramps are either going down a hill or up a hill. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, we can assume that over the decades while we move south, they are attempting that. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, and then we'll go a couple exits and we'll stop at Gandolfino's, which is a real point. It was either going to be a Wawa's or a Bucky's, and I figured with the... Well, let's say Yankee uh, representation in this show. East Coast. Uh, yeah, the, the Wawa would have a little bit more of an effect than Bucky's. But Fun fact, <laughs> Wawa's expanding to Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. They are trying to move south, yeah. I just want Wegmans. As want we Wegmans. approach yeah. this seemingly epic confrontation between Bucky's and Wawa, the war that will truly divide humanity, uh, we're going to go ahead and pause for now. Thank you, everyone, for this first session, and we will uh, see you next encounter. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Forrest from Stabby Quest, Jesse Florence, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.